have confirmed to us New Zealand has been confirmed as the primary location for the $1.5 billion production of the Lord of the Rings series. Middle Earth is coming back to Aotearoa and on the surface, maybe it's something to celebrate. What we're looking at is one of the world's most innovative and successful companies choosing to film the most expensive television production in our country. The production is expected to bring thousands of jobs, tourists, up the wazoo, and we can probably expect more Tolkien-themed Air New Zealand safety videos too. Welcome aboard this Air Middle Earth flight. Before we set out on our journey, I would like to impart a story of safety. But to get the deal over the line, we had to make some concessions. The government's priorities are being questioned after it announced it's giving Amazon a $100 million plus boost to film the Lord of the Rings television series. I'm Emile Donovan and today on The Detail, the machinations behind the golden handshake bringing the biggest TV production ever to New Zealand's shores and the fundamental question of whether it's actually worth it. Embarrassingly, I've, I've, I've read The Lord of the Rings five times. That's not embarrassing, Thomas. That's cool. <laughs> exactly. This is Thomas Coughlin, Tolkien enthusiast and senior political reporter at Stuff. The rights to The Lord of the Rings are divided up in a very unusual way. Uh, the first age, the sort of founding myth of The Lord of the Rings world, that is off limits. The second age, which is alluded to in The Lord of the Rings books, and you see it in the films, the very beginning of the the prologue scene in the Mm -hmm. first film. It began with the forging of the great rings. Three were given to the elves. That is what Amazon has, so it's technically a prequel set thousands of years before the Lord of the Rings, so we know that's what it is. Alright, and so because this is being set in Middle Earth and New Zealand is closely identified with Middle Earth, then what, both New Zealand and Amazon were pretty keen to film the series here, presumably? The New Zealand government was very, very keen to have this shot here for a number of reasons. We like to be competitive in the film industry. It's one of the things that we've historically been quite good at. We have funded hundreds of screen projects through our screen production grants. What makes this project quite different is that um, it is uh, set in the, the Lord of the Rings universe and that calls on the tourism industry as well. All of the screen projects that go through this scheme are looked at with a sort of tourism lens to use the awful public sector argo but uh, it is um so the tourism officials were seriously keen um on this project because of all of the film projects the government's contributed financially to over the years there's nothing like lord of the rings what's that this my friend is a pint it comes in paints oh i'm getting one so Amazon is making a new TV show set in the Lord of the Rings universe. New Zealand wants in, not only because we want to be a player in the screen production world, but because Lord of the Rings has been a financial and, to an extent, cultural juggernaut for us over the past couple of decades. But to make that happen, of course, we have to negotiate. Three Amazon officials come over here in March 2020. They are treated to a lovely... Waiheke Island experience. We don't know what they experienced there, but I'm sure it was nice. And what they're nutting out is something called a memorandum of understanding. The way our film subsidy system works is that basically any movie here uh, made in New Zealand, um, any foreign movie gets 20% of its money back. 
So if you spend um, $100 million making a movie in New Zealand, the taxpayer will give you $20 million back. Thanks for filming in New Zealand. What we do for really big productions is that we up that. We up that to 25, 25%. And obviously when you're spending, like Amazon is planning to spend $650 million on the first series, hundreds of millions of dollars on subsequent seasons. They, they plan, they, in one of the documents they say that they could be filming here for a decade. So they will spend potentially billions of dollars mm. in New Zealand. Um, obviously, even though it sounds like an uplift, uplift of just 5% percentage points, more than the 20% the ordinary figure, the negotiations over that 5% can be very lucrative for Amazon and, and translate into tens of millions of dollars. And that's what they were negotiating. Why do we want people to film big productions here? Like, why do we offer that rebate? I mean, that's a, that's a very good question, and it's a controversial it's a controversial question. There are, there are two ways that we, we measure the rebates. We have something that both have very boring names. There's something called the fiscal impact, <laughs> and then there's the economic impact. So the fiscal impact is what it costs the Crown to do. So that's the taxpayer. Grant Robertson every year makes his budget up, and he decides how much money he's got to give to these subsidies. Okay. Uh, that is how much it costs us as taxpayers, as as New Zealand citizens. Then there's the economic impact, which is a very different number. And the economic impact is what it does to New Zealand and uh, and the economy, and, and in particular the, the people who work in our film industry, what does it do to have these enormous productions, hundreds of millions of dollars spent in New Zealand to our economy? Mm. You know, there are, there are caterers, there are coffee people, there are sound technicians. It's a massive industry which employs um, lots and lots of people. Um, and those people uh, obviously go out and they buy clothing and buy the, buy coffee and have dinner places. So the the money that we put into the film industry circulates through the economy. Now the big question is: Is it worthwhile to do? What is often misunderstood about this scheme is that it's not a tax refund. You know, at the end of the year, if you if you earn five dollars, you probably if you're the average earner, you pay about twenty percent of that in tax. So for every five dollars you earn, taxpayer takes a dollar. If you get a tax refund, the ta- the the IRD will say, well, thanks for the $1 that you paid in tax. Maybe you owed actually 20 cents of that back. Mm-hmm. So you've paid 80 cents in tax, but you've got a rebate of 20%. How this works is that you come to New Zealand, you buy a coffee for $5. It's an expensive coffee. And <laughs> then you take your receipt for the $5 that you spent from the, on the coffee, you give it to Grant Robertson, and he gives you back a dollar. So all of a sudden, you've spent $5, but you've got one dollar back. Yeah. So you've actually your coffee costs four dollars. My coffee costs five dollars. Mm. <laughs> and when I when I earn the money to pay for my coffee, I pay tax as well. So yep. that's the difference between the two things. The, okay, that's a crucial and very well explained kind of point. So Amazon, the rebate that Amazon is actually getting comes directly from the government, but the money that yep. Amazon is spending here doesn't go to the government. It goes to the wider economy, and hopefully there are flow-on effects from that. Ex- exactly. The employees obviously pay tax. Um, but a paper that was released under this OIA said that in the next five years they think that, that employees on the project are going to pay about $44 million in, in tax over the next five years. And the, the film subsidies as in, in total are going to cost about a billion dollars over the next five years. Mainly, most of that is from Lord of the Rings. So you, you're talking about spending a billion and getting you know, $44 million back. Mm. But the flip side of that is that we have a very vibrant, very successful film industry full of people doing... You know, great jobs. Yeah, and important skilled work, I suppose, as well. You know, upskills. Yeah, which is hard to come by. Yeah, in the creative sector, it's really hard to come by. So it's uh, we're 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 lucky um, in that regard. But but it is, 
I mean, the flip side, and I guess we're going to get onto this at some point, is that the problem the problem with the scheme is that it's very everyone everyone agrees it's a rort. Here's a weird thing about big Hollywood movies: many of them are actually shot in a completely different place to where they are set. Mean Girls, for example, the 2004 Lindsay Lohan teen film, was set in Illinois, but shot in Toronto. That is so fetch. The 2004 film Without a Paddle, a male bonding movie about a river rafting trip, was set in the wilderness of Oregon, but filmed here in New Zealand using the Waikato River and the Hutt River as a standard. And basically this is because it's cheaper. And this extends around the world too. Different countries compete with each other by offering rebates to production companies. The financial pull of these rebates can run into the tens of millions. It can be so strong, even when a place is very closely identified with a film, like New Zealand and Lord of the Rings. If a different country, like Ireland, were to offer a better deal, it would probably turn heads. In a perfect world, no country would offer these subsidies, and New Zealand's filmmakers could compete on their talents, um, which are immense. We've got Oscars coming out of our ears, and, and these are very... All of the productions that are filmed here are very high quality, um, and they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't come here if if, if they weren't. Um, the problem is that that when you're offering a tax pay, a, a subsidy of of twenty five percent, which is immense, I don't think people actually appreciate the scale of the subsidy. But it's a tragedy that Grant Robertson and everyone associated with the subsidy regime is right um, that if we want to be in the international film industry game, we have to accept that we're going to be absolutely taken to the cleaners in, in terms of the cost. You've seen internationally places like the UK rise and fall in its film um, industry depending on what sort of subsidies are on offer. You've seen new locations like Croatia pop up. Australia had a bit of a boom for a while um, and then I think it scaled back as the subsidy regime changed which then forced them to change the subsidy regime back. The argument that it's a race to the bottom is absolutely true. But we are still getting 75% of what they spend here though, right? We are. So that is, and, but I think that's the, the issue is as citizens of this country we all contribute to what uh, to the pot of money that they then claim. Yeah. Um, the economic benefits of these films are concentrated in the hands of the people who um, make them. Mm. And, you know, for example, it was revealed that Scarlett Johansson's salary for The, the Ghost in the Shell was, I think, about $12 million. They got the uplift, and so, you know, $4 million of Scarlett Johansson's $12 million salary was, was paid for by us. Mm. And you've got to say, you know, is she spending, is she spending all of her $12 million salary Subsidised by New Zealand and New Zealand, mm. probably not. You know, she's she's taking that back home to California or wherever she lives. So you run into issues of 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 who who gains, um, which is a you know it's a distributional issue. And, and, the other, and I mean, not to get too wonkish, but every year recently, the, the finance minister has had to allocate two point six billion dollars of what's called the operating spending, and that's that's your budget. When we talk about a budget, that's mainly what we're talking about. Yeah. And the film subsidies are two hundred odd million of, of that. So, you know, it's 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 a wee bit less than um one one dollar in every twenty of of new spending goes to the film uh, industry. Well, it doesn't employ that many people, yeah. uh in terms of the quantum. Um a lot of the people who it does employ on the highest wages are from overseas, foreign directors, foreign actors. Scarlett Johansson. Um Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> so so when when you're the finance minister and you're saying, Well I've got this dollar to spend on 
subsidizing an industry or, or, or creating something, um, who do I give it to? And I think that the claim of the film industry on that dollar is getting weaker and, and weaker as other issues mount. I mean, for, for example, some of the government's dental policies are costing, which, you know, big, we were a big um, campaign promise last year. Well, they cost roughly the same as the film subsidies. So one of them does, you know, it's $200 million a year. So you, you, you're thinking, well, you know, maybe we should just double the public funding that we put into dental care rather than subsidising a sort of glamorous, um, glamorous industry. We know what Amazon wants from us. You know, they want a 25% rebate. What do we want from Amazon? What we want from them is that every small country like us wants big companies to establish themselves there. It would be quite good for us if a big company like Amazon looks at us and says, right, um, we think you're you're, we've worked with Weta Digital in, in New Zealand and we think that your technological expertise in areas like like um, augmented reality and virtual reality, which is one of the things that was mentioned in the in the documents, we think your expertise is pretty hot. So we would like to partner with a New Zealand company, um, invest a whole lot of money in research and development, which is also something we give a tax credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can <laughs> claim back money for that. Um, and we'd like to, to, to do some virtual reality research in New Zealand, which is something that is in this um, memorandum of understanding. That's an area that the government would like to partner with Amazon on. One of the things about this rebate is that to get that 5%, the New Zealand government really the, the the ball goes back into our court a wee bit. Amazon have us over a barrel because because we don't want to lose all of the rings. But mm-hmm. Amazon, if they're going to be filming here for a decade, really wants that extra five percent because that equates to tens of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, MB quite cleverly, I think, is like, what's the bigger prize here? Usually, usually when we do these five percent deals, it's about getting. A bit of extra tourism promotion, but quite clearly in this case, I think NB sort of thought, well, the bigger prize here is probably a relationship with this massive company, Amazon. So, so I think I think NB quite cleverly, NB very cleverly, said that what would what we'd like here is not the we'd like the tourism component. We would like to pay, be able to paint our our, our um, Air New Zealand planes um, in Lord of the Rings livery, um, which we're all looking forward to. I imagine there will be a safety video. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a pretty safe bet. Uh, it's yeah. a safe bet, <laughs> and you know, all of the all of that other stuff, which was part of all of these agreements. But the the real prize was this relationship with Amazon. But the, the question, um, and I don't think MB even has answered this, is which part of Amazon are we getting? Yeah, because some people would be kind of freaked out by the prospect of Amazon setting up like a warehouse here or or something like that. Yeah. But that, is that what we're talking about? I don't think so. I mean, that, that I would be scared of that that too if I were in, if I were in a in the retail sector. I think the question though is that that these distribution centres they have to be very big because Amazon sells everything. Um, they have to be close to large population centres to make them viable because you're still reliant on the post, which takes a couple of days in New Zealand. Um, so that the economic um, question that that faces the the building of a distribution centre in New Zealand is. Is, is still whether whether any even in Auckland um, do the numbers stack up for building one of these massive warehouses? But other things like Amazon Web Services, Amazon Web Services is is, is basically thirty percent of cloud computing. Mm-hmm. So whenever you, you use cloud software, you're using probably Amazon services. Um, they they have these massive server farms, um, which need to be in cold climates, close to a, um, a good electricity source. Uh, in New Zealand, alas, we have plenty of cold climates, and um, and in the South Island in particular, we've got a lot of very good renewable energy sources. Although um, under under pressure at the moment, but but in the future, we're looking to when Ty um, closes, there'll be a lot of a lot of cheap electricity. 
um, that, that Amazon could, could hook, up, hook up to. So there's, there's that possibility. And then there's also the research and development side of things, um, which is what the Green Party is a wee bit concerned with, um, because you know Amazon's into drones, they're into artificial intelligence, they've developed these doorbells so that you can see when a package has been delivered, but allegedly some of the research behind this has helped develop software to profile people for nefarious purposes in the, in the American police force. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there, there could be a chance that, that our companies, subsidised by the taxpayer, would be participating in that research, which um, alarms people. On the flip side, uh, Amazon, if this does work, and, and, um, and we don't know if it will, um, but if it does work, then MB will be bringing high-wage high tech jobs to New Zealand, which is something that every country in the world wants right now, because the employment conundrum thanks to companies like Amazon, <laughs> uh, the employment conundrum is one that's, that's quite scary for a lot of, uh, a lot of every country in the world. We don't know, we don't know what the ne- where the next jobs are going to come from because we've, we've successfully you know, destroyed a lot, of the, um, a lot of the jobs that provided people with a stable income in the past. This is essentially the, the, the powers that be, and it seems as though you're largely talking about MB here, almost like leveraging the screen industry to get a foot in the door for R&D, tech... For upskilling people, because presumably, you know, if Amazon were to relocate here, then there would be sort of educational services and things like that that would help upskill people in the tech industry and high buying jobs, as you were talking about. Um, yeah, and there's a whole lot of stuff in that agreement. Like there are internships, and you know, and, and I mean, and probably rightly, you should probably say, look, 162 million dollars, and we get a few internships. Mm. <laughs> uh, the, the value for money proposition is a bit questionable, but there's internships, there's scholarships. Um, uh, there are relationships that they want to build between Amazon businesses in the US and New Zealand businesses. That could be really good. Um, but also, we do have to be realistic here that Amazon is a massive company which is very, very good at finding taxpayer subsidies. We've got to make sure that it's real and that it isn't a mirage because it could... I mean, they promised to send out... Um, they promised to send out a plane full of executives uh, each season, or, or senior senior staff, so not necessarily executives. So are they just going to come out here, go to Rocket Lab, you know, clap at Weta, a bit like those, you know, North Korean Kim Jong-un, you know, smiley, clappy pictures? Is that what it's going to be like? Um, or are they actually going to come here and say, oh, you you know, you guys are smart. I like what you do. That's, that's cool. Um, can we invest millions of dollars in your company to create um, intellectual property for Amazon, this big business, and we can take your we can take you to the world? So, yeah, you, you have to be sceptical because they're a pretty mercenary company, frankly, and everyone, everyone knows that. But they're also a very successful company. So if it works, it could be great. Um, but, you know, a healthy degree of scepticism, I think. As far as the Amazon-New Zealand relationship goes, that's a matter of wait and see. The possible risks and the possible benefits are clear. But there has been pushback against this deal. The film subsidy has never been universally beloved, and the idea that hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money is being pumped into overseas productions to attract them to film here is galling to some. You know, $200 million could fund 20 $10 million projects by New Zealand directors, which is small fry on a Hollywood scale, but beyond the wildest dreams of most local film graduates. Totally. And I I think the background, the wider kind of arts cultural story behind this is is kind of the story of Peter Jackson. When he was making his early films, he was shunned by the film commission who thought them to be of dubious artistic merit, which, you know, they are 
slasher films, um, splatter films, and 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 you know they're not exactly Vincent Ward. They are fun and charming and and, and funny. Um, but he did you know he he publicly feuded with them about their. Um, I, I guess they they were snobbish and it, and they were I think they they were too snobbish back then, but he he was brought on to review the film commission in twenty ten eleven, and the thrust of that review looked at the relationship between the film commission and the wider film industry which had commercialised them, and the disdain the disdain that each side had for the other. And now the Film ad- uh, Commission administers these subsidies. MB is the one that gets the money, but the Film Commission's involved with negotiating them. Mm-hmm. And a large part of the Film Commission now is, is directed at fostering relationships between the New Zealand film industry and these massive Hollywood studios. And we've lost sight of the fact that that film is art, and we do still we do still fund New Zealand films. And and obviously, you know, we've seen dozens of 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 great New Zealand films made in the last decade. And there's not you know the artistic side of film in New Zealand is not atrophied, but we're still fun- <laughs> we're still funding a handful of films every year that are made for New Zealand audiences about New Zealand stories. Um, meanwhile, the, the the cost of the subsidies for the international industry has has quadrupled. I think a lot of New Zealand artists, privately, because I think people are fear, do fear um, not being hired on these big international productions, a lot of New Zealand artists have, have privately got in touch with me and, and thought, well, hold on, if, we, if we're handing over $200 million to, to these productions, um, why don't we you know, look at New Zealand writers and directors and, and, and tell our own stories? If we're going to plough all this money into film, why don't we, why don't we do you know, our own our own stuff. I mean, I mean, the irony, like, one, the irony is that the, the second largest claimant after the Lord of the Rings is, is the Avatar sequels, and we, we, we will be ploughing more money into subsidising a film about a fake indigenous culture than we are into Maori TV, which tells the stories of, of New Zealand's indigenous culture and and real people, and it's you know that's you, you do think. Mm, it doesn't quite wash. That's it for today. I'm Emile Bonovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Rangi Poek and produced by Alexi Russell. And thanks to Stuff's Thomas Coughlin. Matewa. <laughs>